So uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. We pray you'll bless our time. Just, uh, we love you. We want to grow. We want to serve you. And we want to know you and your word well and help us to uh, just to be constantly learners, our whole life seekers after truth. And, uh, and we just pray that you would be the one that would uh, just guide and direct us in all we um, do this morning. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I, if you hadn't heard, my, uh, the, those of you been praying, my mom died on Friday, and so she's in heaven now with my dad, uh, probably bossing him around. And uh, so we were talking Thanksgiving, we were all coming up with first line that mom said to dad, and some of the lines were fairly funny. We got to laughing quite, quite a lot. We, uh, as a family, uh, do our own service burial. Uh, which up there at Trout Lake, because the cemetery is unincorporated, that's, we can do that. So we um, have a box. I, I can't remember where we got the box. Anyway, Dad's we built, and I don't know where Mom's came from, but we had it. Um, pardon? Oh, it was hers. Anyway, we found it. We had to look for it, where it was. We got it. And so yesterday, um, Patty and my sister-in-law dressed her, cleaned her up, put her in the box, and because the service is tomorrow, uh, we couldn't get a hold of the corner. She's out in the snowbank right now, and so somebody asked me how mom was doing. I said, she's a little cold, but uh, she's, doing, she's doing well, so it'll be a great service. We did that with my dad, and it was a good time, everybody there sharing and talking, and then we'll have a memorial service when everybody, the Alaska, Hawaii people can get there, and so we'll plan that, and that'll probably be a three-hour service by the time we get done telling the stories, and um, so anyway, uh, when you're a believer, it's cool because you know where people go and uh, you look forward to seeing when you get there. I don't know how people that aren't uh, manage that kind of thing. They just, I guess, ignore it. But uh, so she's doing well. Last couple of weeks have been tough ones in the sense of her, but now everything's great and uh, we're looking forward to being there with her at some point in the future. Not hoping to stick around too much longer. Personally, 85 would be great. But we'll see how it goes. So um, we're, uh, the topic this morning is on balance. And when we do hermeneutics, what's the word hermeneutics mean? Science of studying the Bible. By the way, and I'll put that verse up here in a couple of weeks. You remember the story about Jesus after he was resurrected and he was walking with a couple of disciples and explaining, it says to them, uh, about the Messiah from all the books in the Old Testament? The word, when it says explained to them, that Greek word is where we get the word hermeneutics. Uh, and so he went and explained how he was in uh, all these Old Testament books, Psalms, etc., and uh, taught them that. And so that teaching word is where we get that word hermeneutics. So it's a good word. And uh, there's basic rules that apply uh, that um, we understand what it means. Following those is how we get the real uh, understanding. So there's some principles or concepts that we want to make sure that we always follow. And so we'll look at this one this morning, and it's in, we're dealing with the sovereignty of God, in the, but it applies to everything. So, in the last days, the number of heresies will increase rapidly. So we want to be wise and not fall for any of them, but they're, uh, they're just, especially with the internet, because if you come up with something, you can put it out there and It'll just go poop. And so people send them to me regularly. They re- will send one to me and say, what do you think of this, Pastor D? And I'll read a little bit and I'll send it back. And it says, 
you ought to uh, delete that from your computer and never read it again just so that it doesn't taint your thinking because it's garbage. Um, and so sometimes they want to know why. And a case, I mean, I, it's, it, because I get so much, it's hard for me to respond to all of it. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Heresies. Destructive heresies. They will do it secretly. In other words, it's not something that, uh, it's obvious. It just kind of penetrates the church a little bit here, a little bit there, and pretty soon you got all this weird stuff happening. And it looks and sounds cool, but it's uh, destructive and what it does to the lives of people, what it does in the sense of unity. Uh, so, and, it, and notice that uh, among them, they come right out of the church. Uh, and so it's, it's uh, difficult sometimes to spot simply because of the source and uh, the fact that it's not that far off. It's just a little bit, but it keeps moving, keeps moving. Even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Many will follow. A lot of people get deceived, and uh, the way the truth will be maligned. In other words, it'll get off course. Such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so this whole thing of disguise, subtle, tricky, uh, it's not obvious. And so we have to be wise and be able to spot heresy, false teaching, false teachers, and uh, because it's going to increase rapidly as we get towards the latter days. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds. So again, disguise, that's used continually, repeatedly about false teachers. They're not obvious. Uh, what they teach is not blatant. It's not hard. To, it's not easy to spot. Be on guard for yourselves. This is Paul talking to the leaders of the church of Ephesus. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. And so, responsibility, overseers, that's me, and staff, and elders, and key leaders in the church is uh, to keep, um, you know, just keep an ear out for what's going on. And again, today with the internet, there's so much stuff uh, that's constantly being broadcast as true. Beware of the false prophets, this is Jesus speaking who come to you in sheep's clothing, inwardly are ravenous wolves. Many false prophets, this is Matthew 24, uh, Jesus uh, uh, teaching his disciples just prior to his crucifixion. Many false prophets will arise, will mislead many. Will mislead many. So you want to be one that doesn't get misled. Uh, and just understand that many will get uh, led astray, and it's... Uh, it's our responsibility to make sure that we know what truth is and guard against that which is false. False Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders as so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So one of the things that is true towards the latter is that uh, 
signs and wonders. And I recently have heard people say, well, it has to be true because of... It has to be true because it lines up with the Word of God, not because of anything else that they may do or accomplish. And if it doesn't, then it isn't. Uh, And so... The latter days, they're going to be able to do some things that are going to say, whoa, must be true. And so understand that what they pull off isn't what makes it true. Sometimes, sometimes it just isn't, there's nothing involved. It, I mean, it's just... Um, uh, some of the stuff I've read, I don't know if they attempted to do anything for themselves. They're just getting stuff out there. That's on a Uh, I'm not sure, but I'll just say it's that there's a possibility that the elect could be misled. I don't think they're going to lose their salvation, but they're just going to start off down some weird stuff. And I know some believers that are teaching some stuff that's just not true. And uh, they've got sucked into some things. And, uh, and it often has to do with the signs and the wonders. It's the external stuff that they get attracted to. And uh, so, um, it's true, I say this to people regularly, it's true because it lines up with the, what's in the Bible. Not because of anything that happens, not because of anything that they do. And so the Antichrist will become the powerful individual he is because of all the signs and wonders he's able to perform. And so people say he must be. Uh, and what he says must be true because of what he does. We have the Bible and we have to make sure everything lines up and we know it well enough so we can spot error and heresy. Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So it's all driven by demons. Uh, They work in and through people. They masquerade as angels of light. And so, again, the deceitful is a key word. It's very, very tricky, deceitful conniving and they know what's going on how to do it and often uh, people just get sucked into stuff and believe things um, what's the motto of advertising okay, the basic law is anybody will believe anything if they hear it often enough that's the basic principle that drives it anybody will believe anything if they hear it often enough and so you don't want that to be true you. Uh, just because it gets repeated and, and you hear it and see it, it doesn't mean that you're going to believe it. Um, and so you know the truth and you want to continually seek the truth. Heresies are usually not just false information, but truth out of balance. So key, key word is balance. And you'll see things that are true, but they are so out of balance that they become false. Uh, 
Yeah. I think they probably weren't believers. Probably weren't believers. And fall away, you know, we don't know if that means just living lifestyle or actual, uh, whatever, it's not good. People on the way to being believers and then get short-circuited on the process or uh, believers that just get messed up. So, I say, whatever it is, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I've listened to some sermons and I... I would uh, say that dude is not a believer. He is a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay, truth out of balance. That's the basic definition of a heresy. I am responsible versus God is sovereign. We're going to deal just deal with this one this morning. Uh, so, take two things that are true, uh, and they're in uh, and like a tug-of-war. They appear to be opposite, but they're both true. And so, but when one gets to be more of an emphasis than the other, then you start ending up with some problems. So I, was, I wrote in my blog the other day, I went to see the movie, The Battle of Midway, and uh, as I was watching it, I was thinking of my dad. He was in The Battle of Midway, and uh, he was on the Yorktown. It was sunk. And uh, he was also on the... the uh, uh, Hornet when it was sunk, and he was also on the Wasp when it was sunk, and so he had quite a, a few experiences in the war, and uh, I'm thinking uh, he was uh, fortunate to live through that, and uh, so if he hadn't, Miss Krause would be teaching this class. <laughs> She's not here. I guess I wasted that one. Um, <clears throat> interesting to think about one event in the past. And a whole bunch is different and changed. So I, I believe that me, as a person, self-aware, think, headed for heaven, that God uh, planned me. He wanted me to be with him, to live with him forever. And so way back in the beginning, there was a plan made that revolved around me. Uh, all the details of my life, everything. And so I'm going to be in heaven and when I get there, I'm going to recognize that from the, before the foundation of the world, I was so important to him that he planned everything, and I end up there. So the sovereignty of God, what we would call the election, predestination, all those things are in Scripture, and we recognize that God being God, uh, he is in control. So then we have the question, well, I'm going to be uh, held responsible at the judgment seat of Christ. That means I had some free will, some ability to do something. He's going to reward me or judge me on the basis of things I had nothing to do with, was not involved with. And so, um, how do those fit? And I don't know. But I have the ability to hold true, two truths in my head at the same time, intention in balance. Um, now, there's some various illustrations that sort of help. One of the better ones, uh, J. Vernon McGee, I heard him give it. It's like me being on a train to Chicago. Now, on the train, I can sleep when I want to sleep, and I can eat when I want to eat, and I can go up in the first car or the last car, and I can talk to who I want to talk to, but all the while, the train's going to Chicago. Uh, 
And so that's a, you know, a picture that kind of gives me some ability to understand these two truths in tension. But you will hear things all the time that pull one of those truths way over to one side and making it the big deal and the other one not a truth or not much of a truth. And so today you will hear people talk about the fact that God uh, is somewhat of a victim to his own creation. That he created things and it's going and uh, it's like, ah! And so he's kind of reacting to things and fixing things as it goes along. And, uh, uh, and it's kind of, all right, huh? Yeah, you think about it, you think, wow, this thing is complicated. You know, all the people, all the events, and only God could make that happen in his ultimate wisdom and, and sovereign control. And uh, in its the sense of how could God be uh, so much in control that everything happens according to plan. But still, in the midst of that, we have uh, free will and can grow and not grow and be rewarded. Uh, that's uh, difficult to get your head around, but... God can pull that off. And so you have these two truths, uh, both at the same time being true, but again, you will hear teaching that pushes things. Now, there's that emphasis on the sovereignty of God to the point where, ah, I don't think I'll even get out of bed. God's going to do what he's going to do anyway, and it doesn't matter what I do. And so you see people being uh, you know, unmotivated because God's God and he's sovereign and he's got everything preordained and what I do doesn't make a look a difference and so you have these these extremes that take place in life so um, and when you hear any and this is just one area of theology that is this got this thing there's a whole bunch of other areas as well and so we'll talk about some of those balance areas where we can hold two truths together in tension and it's the balance of those two that keeps things where they ought to be. Okay. Uh, be diligent versus rest and relax. And we're talking about the same thing now. One of my experiences, you've heard me tell this story before, but it's one that I go back to. I was a freshman in college, and we had a, uh, it was a Christian college, liberal arts school in Portland. It doesn't exist any longer. It's a school, school, a great school because that's where I met my wife. But uh, we were at a prayer meeting for freshmen, and one of the guys in the, in the group said, pray for me, uh, I need to come up with my tuition for the next uh, semester. And uh, um, so at the time, I was milking cows at a dairy, and I was um, getting up and going to work at midnight and uh, milking until, I forget, 4, 5, 6 in the morning. And so I used to get me, um, and people would make, uh, students would make fun of me because I would fall asleep in classes regularly. And it depended on the class. If it was a boring class, I'd sit in the back and go to sleep uh, and get notes from somebody. And, and so I worked and chased girls and played sports and went to class when I had to. And so anyway, I'm in this prayer meeting, and I said, hey, God answered your prayer. 
where I work, they need someone to clean calf stalls. Pays a buck fifty an hour. I'll, you can go with me. You don't need me to drive. Buck fifty an hour is good money back then. Um, and he said this, D, D, D. When are you ever going to learn? You don't have to kill yourself. Just trust God. And I remember thinking, I mean, I felt like that tall. Uh, and so I went to a professor, one of my favorite professors, and told him about the event and asked him, am I, uh, man, it should be cool if I didn't have to get up at midnight to go milk cows. <laughs> he said, well, let's just wait and see what happens. So anyway, uh, next semester came and Joe wasn't there. And I asked him, and what happened to Joe? I, forget, I don't know remember his name was. We'll just say Joe. Well, he couldn't pay his tuition, and so he's not in school. Huh, I guess his faith wasn't as great as he made it out to be. Um, but that, that kind of thing comes up all the time. Now, I hear it from my radio program and other times because I have such an emphasis on goal setting, uh, diligence, and so people react to that. Say, you know, you need to just relax a little bit and trust Jesus and quit working so hard. And uh, so I see a lot of people who... Uh, have that philosophy and don't do much. But I don't want to get to the point where I'm working my way to heaven and I just check in occasionally to see if Jesus is still around. Um, There's a balance. God chooses versus I choose. God heals nobody versus God heals everybody. Seems like people go to one stream or the other on, on this healing uh, thing. And uh, so somebody asked me, do you believe in healing? I said, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Then they weren't sure what I meant by that. I work, labor, strive, set goals, plan, act, responsible, strive for excellence, make sacrifices in my life as if everything in my life depends on me being a champion for God in order to succeed. I wrote that for myself a number of years ago. Everything depends on me being a champion. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 1 Corinthians 9, this is one of my life verses. Don't you know that those who run in a race all run, only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air but I discipline my body, make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. That possibility of being disqualified. 
Now it shall be if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. If, so there's a possibility that you don't. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. Take diligent heed to yourselves. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently. Keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Number five, I will be judged for my work done in this life and I will receive rewards for a life well lived. I also will be, lose rewards and experience consequences if I do nothing that matters. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance that is the Lord Christ whom you serve. He who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, not without partiality. So the reward consequence for what we do with our life. Seven, judgment, rewards, and consequences are valid only when there is choice or free will. must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed, rewarded for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Each man's work will become evident. The day, the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. The fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Number eight, every day I make choices that are wrong and every day I choose to disobey God. My hope is that I'll reduce that down to a couple of times a week. <clears throat> Every day I choose to do right, and every day I choose to follow Him. My life and the lives of others are impacted by the choices that I make every day. So I was blessed as an individual with an awesome dad and mom who taught uh, faithfully, who disciplined. Um, and so as I sit here, I'm a product of good parents. Not everybody has that blessing. We don't get to choose our parents. Um, so we influence other people. I like to think that I have eight kids that love Jesus and living their life for him 
because of the influence that Patty and I had on their lives as they grew up, because of the admonition to parents to do certain things. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. God said, I've set before you these two. So choose, choose, choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. You choose. It's set before you. It's a choice. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, this is Joshua speaking, in my house we will serve the Lord. Fairly famous verse. We, this is what we will do. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will reap. Number 11, God plans and predestines our lives. So you probably caught, but we're switching directions right now. Okay, we're going to go to the other side of the tug of war that's taking place. So the information I just gave you, that's one side, and you can make that the whole picture, and many do. Uh, That would be uh, truth out of balance ends up being heresy. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. So that's Paul in Ephesians 1. Also, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. That's pretty clear. Works all things after the counsel of his will. We've been predestined. Number 12, at the end of my life, I will spend eternity with Jesus or in the lake of fire based on my faith and commitment. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The Lord is not slow about His promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all, for everyone to come to repentance. My faith and commitment to Christ is validated by my faithfulness, endurance, and works. A lot of people running around who say they're believers and aren't. Uh, they believe uh, intellectually. They believe in God generally. Any number of things that they would prompt them to say they are, but they're not. And that someday they will stand before Jesus and he will say, depart from me. And it's going to be a shock to them. And so, um, validated by my faithfulness, endurance, and works. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence and so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling. 
Make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. It is God who is at work in you, both the will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work in you, both the will and to work for his good pleasure. At the beginning of every day, I ask God for his strength, because apart from him, I can do nothing. John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He goes on and says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm the vine, oh, there it is right there. I'm the vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Not that we are adequate in ourselves, 2 Corinthians 3. Adequate in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves. Our adequacy is from God who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Psalms 18, For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God, the God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless, makes my feet like hind's feet, sets me upon my high places, he trains my hands for battle, so my arms can bend to both bronze. I love that verse. 15, At the beginning of every day I ask God for his guidance, and wisdom so I can know his perfect will for my life because outside of his will I will fail miserably. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously. For this reason, also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. I pray this prayer every week for every person in our church. Strengthen with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance the saints in light. 16, at the end of every day, I thank God for doing everything through me that I did that was good and holy. For doing everything, accomplishing everything that I did with my life that day that was good and holy. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us, not we ourselves. This is the big problem today in our culture. you got a bunch of people running around who think God. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name. The Lord is good, Psalms 100. His loving kindness is everlasting, His faithfulness to all generations. That's a good chapter to memorize. At the end of every day, I confess all known sin to God because I did wrong. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pretty basic verse. All day long I worship God as almighty, sovereign, creator, omnipotent, and all-wise, omnipresent God in whom I live and breathe and exist. So I acknowledge and confess the sovereignty of God in my life. You are God on the throne. You are in control of every detail. Uh, grant me wisdom to know what to do. So how do those coexist? I don't know, but they do. And so I'm going to live like they do and act like they do and pray like they do. And so it's the... Uh, planning, setting goals, working hard, exercising self-control on the one hand, and on the other hand, saying, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. I'm helpless. I'm just a pile of dirt. And I give you the glory for everything. And so you just do them both. I work as if it all depends on me, and I give him the glory as if he accomplished it all, I ask for his strength and his guidance, knowing that apart from him I can do nothing. And so it's those two intention existing at the same time that keep us balanced in life. And you let one of those or the other get uh, to be the big deal and you'll be out of balance and the teaching that then you start doing will be heresy. Basic definition of heresy is what? Truth out of balance. Okay, it's not wrong, it's just out of balance. So... It ends up going down the wrong, down the wrong path. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is too high. I cannot attain to it. I don't really get it. And so I just acknowledge it and, uh, and live in both those uh, worlds, as it were. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the, even the darkness is not dark. To you and the light night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Uh, my frame was not hidden from you. You were involved intricately involved in my creation. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. In your book, my life was written before there was any of them. So, how does that? And me setting goals, and I, I really don't know, and that's what he says here. It's too high, I cannot attain to it. I don't get it, really. But I live 
in both those worlds as it were, giving him the glory for everything, but acting and living my life as responsibly and as obediently as I can, depending on him for his strength and his guidance. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. Wow, isn't that a cool verse? God's thoughts towards me. Uh, uh, I'm pretty important to him in the sense that he planned me before. Uh, he intricately put me together. The thoughts that he has to me are more numerous than the sand of the sea. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. I do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Active dependence on God, suggesting I have some choice in this thing. I can do the wrong thing. 19, I strive in my thinking and attitude to hold these truths in tension, to live and to teach being balanced between God's role and mine. That's not particularly easy to do. And so it requires thinking about where you are and how you're living your life. God is sovereign. He is in control. I'm responsible. And I will be rewarded or experience consequence for the choices I make. Um, so they're both true. And so I strive to, in my thinking, my living, to keep those intention balanced between the two of them. I acknowledge that God's ways are infinitely higher than my ways and to trust Him completely even though I don't understand. So I can do that. And uh, you can as well. Sometimes we get a little bit fussy, want this to be totally clear in our thinking. Uh, do you know who understands it? My mother. But a couple of days ago, she didn't. So when I get there, I'll get it. In the meantime, I'm going to live by faith and with wisdom, balancing the truths. Now, this is not the only area in which you got this tension. There's a number of other areas as well. And so when you often hear some weird teaching, it's not that it's not true, it's just that it's way out of balance from that which ought to be holding it in tension. So balance is a key word uh, with truths that are in tension. And so there's a bunch of them in the Bible. And understand that, that we're not going to get it until we get to heaven. In the meantime, we just live responsibly and we pursue God and uh, we are sensitive to teaching that's around us and we don't let ourselves get sucked down one of these uh, side roads that's heresy because it's going to increase dramatically in the days ahead. The wise individual will know what's true and what isn't. Okay, see you in two weeks.